Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Dixon, and you are listening to The Graphics Profiles, the official podcast of Graphics Pro Magazine, a monthly publication that covers every aspect of the graphics industry. My guest today is Dana Curtis. Dana is an 18-year veteran of the sign and graphics industry. He is best known for his work with Roland DGA Corp. as a product manager of their award-winning Versacam and Cam1 print cut products, where he presided over some of the company's most successful product launches. He now owns and operates BizTools, a strategic advisory firm for small businesses specializing in customer experience, profit growth, and strategic messaging. Contact him at dana.curtis at biztools.biz or visit www.biztools.biz for more info. This episode of Graphics Profiles is brought to you by the Graphics Pro Expo. Graphics Pro Expo is the event for graphics professionals with access to the awards in personalization, apparel decorating, and sign and digital graphics markets, all under one roof. Join us for the final in-person industry event of 2021 in Charlotte, North Carolina, October 29th through 30th. Registration is free and includes access to the Expo Hall, training in the classroom and in the hall, a chance to win $500 in buyer bucks each day of the Expo, and more. Go to graphics-pro-expo.com to find out more. You got to be there. Uh, Dana, thank you very much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you with us. How are you doing? Great, Matt. Thanks for having me. So you're an industry veteran of uh, the, the graphics market. Uh, I think we met uh, back in 2007, and now you do strategic work for small business. Is that correct? That's correct. So if you can remember thinking back to that far away, what did you think of most of the, the startup companies uh, back at that time? And um, how did their situation kind of get you to the point where you are now? kind of helping them out with business strategies. My entire career has been trying to help people kind of live, quote unquote, the American dream. You know, the idea of getting out and doing things for themselves, exercising creativity. Most of it from, I would say, the early 2000s had to do with digitizing an analog process. So uh, that could be people who did pinstriping or... uh, silk screening or even to the you know the areas of the rhinestone portion of the market where they would actually take a bedazzler and apply stones by hand the idea of bringing in what we refer to now as cad you know computer aided drawing programs like illustrator or corel draw and it was how can we digitize the workflow to allow businesses to scale their art uh, that was most of what i was doing in in my career as a product manager and as a kind of a, as a marketer in general, was to preach the gospel of digitize and, and grow. So what talk about some of your clients that, uh, that you kind of help. Where are they at in their careers as far as their, their businesses? So the majority of my clients have been in business for at least two years now, uh, so much so that they can establish a Dun & Bradstreet rating. They understand the possibilities of getting business credit. Maybe they have a few employees. They certainly have some kind of capital equipment, whether it be a printer or an engraver or a router. And they've kind of reached the point now where they've figured it out. They may have um, a handful of steady clients, but they're not achieving growth and they're not achieving scale. 
And so they kind of uh, approach me and, and they say, what am I doing wrong or what could I be doing better? And for that part of the business, it really has a lot to do with what exactly is it that you are trying to achieve as a business? Because it's nice to make something and sell it and it's, it's nice to be a creator and it's nice to be a, a productive person. But when you really want to scale a business and you want to grow it, it comes with the idea of generating a customer experience such that you can start using brand messaging and testimonials and community to expand your reach further rather than rely on friends and family or people that have access to your storefront if you're on a, a busy street corner, so uh, for example. So you uh, are dealing with shops that are probably reaching that point where they're they're wanting to get their marketing rolling, right? Right. They're They're beyond the stage of how can we survive to how can we grow? And that's usually where I provide the best value. All right. So let's talk about some examples there. Uh, where do where do some shops uh, kind of drop the ball or, or maybe they're just not thinking about the right particular growth mentality? So it comes with uh, really some of the headaches that you run into after you start a business is you open up your doors, you have all of your materials, you have your equipment, you've put a sign on the front and now you say, okay, I'm here for business. Where are my customers? And I think that's the number one problem that people run into is if they've got a list of customers before they started a business, they've exhausted those customers and they have no way to build beyond that. And I think what people run into with any business that's, I think the definition of a small business is less than 7 million a year. So you've got a very wide umbrella to work with under that definition. But what happens is people run out of cash. And that's usually because they haven't spread out enough to get more customers coming in. When you say spread out, do you mean to diversify the products or, uh, or do you mean something else? No, it's you want to find your customer because you have to speak your customer's language. You have to identify your customer's pain points. You have to, one, what is your solution solving? What is it that you do? And I think many people get in, trapped into the idea of, well, I make banners or I make t-shirts or I make, and people need to associate what it is that they're looking for with that. So to suggest that I am a sign shop, I make signs, well, what do signs do? What is the problem that you're trying to solve? Because you can't, uh, you can't build a sustainable business relying on the product because the product is going to evolve. If you were a hand painter back in the 80s, you had to switch over to a vinyl cutter in the 90s, and then you had to switch over to digital printing. And then there are a variety of evolutions of digital printing beyond there. And so to suggest that I make X, I think is one of the fundamental flaws of a small business. Talk about some of the ways that you encourage businesses uh, to, to help with that cash flow. I mean, can you share any specific examples? There are a few... Uh, forms of media that I would recommend to anybody starting out, and that is anything that you can get a guaranteed return on. So for example, social media is nice, but social media is free and there's a lot of noise. So you might want to think about targeted ads within social media. And then of course, the platforms matter because I think any marketing expert will tell you that the platforms cater to a specific demographic. Uh, you can't get the exact effect on Facebook that you did even six years ago. 
So you want to figure out that maybe TikTok goes for a younger generation or Facebook goes for an older generation or Instagram or Snap. And once you find exactly where your customers are, then that's my recommendation is to target using that platform. Uh, Because there's a number of different methods you could use that are excellent ways to spend your money, but not excellent ways to get a return. Because you have to understand who your customer is and where they are before you can reach them. Okay. Let's talk about uh, uh, the message itself. You were mentioning a lot of ways to get your message out. How important is that brand message? So the brand message really states, uh, like, like all marketing, is a promise. What is it that you're going to deliver in a return for the customer's money? And the brand message is kind of the statement of what that promise is. So if you say, we're the lowest price in town, that's a brand message. If you say, we're the best service in town, that's a brand message. Quickest delivery, highest quality. The danger of having a vague brand message is that you're going to have a very large definition by the customer. So if you say, we're the best service then that has to hit the customer's definition of what best service is. And so the challenge of brand messaging is you want to make a promise that gathers enough possible customer base while also being specific enough that you can deliver on it. Because if you say we're best in class and the customer comes in and doesn't receive what they think best in class is, you've failed. So if you can target it to 24-hour delivery or we can hit this level of colors or we can do this kind of specific turnaround. That brand message can then reinforce a brand expansion later because you want to build your brand in kind of foundational steps. And so messaging needs to be targeted. It needs to be specific before you get into kind of larger concepts that will allow you to get a larger audience. Do you have any recommendations on how a shop should begin the process of creating its brand? Yeah, I mean, you definitely want to figure out, one, what do you provide? And there's a nicer way of saying this, but why should anyone care? So if you look in the phone book and you see that there's a lot of graphics professionals out there, then somebody else looking in the phone book will see the same thing. You want your advertising and your brand proposition to be different. It's got to stand out. It's got to be unique. And I've written about this before. If your brand proposition is we're right down the street, that's a great brand proposition, but it gives you a very small target audience. If you want to say we're five stars on Google, that's great. But how many others have five stars on Google? So I always say to start small and build your audience so that your audience can help you along with your advertising grow together. And the thing about brand messaging is it needs to be consistent, right? If you're sound one way in person and you sound different over the phone, that's going to break the consistency of your brand message. If your email copy doesn't match your web copy, that's going to be inconsistency in your brand message. So no matter what you do, no matter where you start, you have to be the same all the time. Uh, And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself in this, but the The concept of customer service and customer experience, it doesn't have to be defined a certain way. Uh, You look at some companies out there like um, there's a restaurant chain called Dick's Last Resort. 
and their entire customer experience is that the servers are mean to you. So that's not good customer service, but it's consistent. So you go in there expecting to be disrespected. That's a consistent customer experience, and it's the reason people keep coming back. The second that you have an inconsistent brand message or you have a poor customer experience is when your customer comes in expecting one thing and you deliver another. So if best price is your customer experience, then that's it. Make sure it's the best price in town. If it's best service, then you got to make sure you're better than anybody else because when you use a word like best, it has a very subjective definition in the eyes of the customer. This episode of Graphics Profiles is brought to you by the Graphics Pro Expo. Go to graphics-pro-expo.com to find out what's happening at Graphics Pro Expo in Charlotte, October 29th through 30th. And be sure to check out the 2022 schedule events while you're there. GPX will be back with more in 2022, with more exhibitors and floor space, more networking, more special programming and events, and more training while providing a safe and personalized experience for you. Do you think maybe a lot of smaller businesses either aim too high or maybe aim too low with their branding? It's a, it's a difficult question to answer, and I want to split it up in two because I think you want your expectations to be high because you want to set a goal for yourself because you're in business. And if, unless you're a nonprofit, you're in business to make money. You're in business to be your own boss. You're in business to not have to go back to the nine to five job that you probably left in order to start your business. If it's a side hustle, you want to grow it and you want to make it something. So you want to set expectations for yourself. Uh, But on the other side of the question, don't try and be everything to everyone because that comes in stages over time. You want to start up being specific and then add other specific things to round yourself out. Um, It's kind of cliche at this point, but Amazon started by selling books. That's it. They were a bookstore. They got good at selling books. They moved on to something else. Let's talk about scaling from books to something else. If you're a small shop, what uh, what are some difficulties that you find shops having getting to that next level? One way I think is that they don't leverage their equipment. Uh, Graphics professionals have these amazing pieces of capital expense hardware in their shop that they think they bought it for one reason. Um, You know, going back to our time in the industry, specifically back in in the mid 2000s when money was kind of free. I mean, there's probably a correlation to that now, but back then it was anybody could start up a business. They had a lot of money to play with. They would go out and they would buy these $30,000 pieces of equipment and they would dedicate a printer to doing banner or they would buy an engraver to fulfill an ADA contract with a hotel. And then they wouldn't know what else to do with it. So the equipment would sit in a corner, you know, and, and I would go out to, you know, the graphics expo shows and we previously, what were they, the MBM shows back then? Um, and you would talk to these people in, in a trade show booth and they would say, oh, I bought one of these. It's sitting in a corner. And that has to be one of those maddening things for anybody to hear, let alone the person that represents the manufacturer. What do you mean it's sitting in a corner? That thing prints money. Why aren't you doing anything with it? And the number one answer that I got was, well, what else can I do with it? And then that was an opportunity to start a whole other conversation with, do you realize that you just have to stick a different 
piece of material into this thing to get a whole nother application. And I think that applies in, in routing, engraving, vinyl cutting, digital printing. Um, so again, start small, be specific, but realize that branching out is less of an investment than you think. Let's do a little talking about uh, some specific business practices, such as, uh, so what's your feeling on discounting? Personally, I don't like it. And I know that in this industry, uh, those are fighting words because somebody will say, well, they're going to go to the guy down the street if I don't. My immediate retort to that is why? When you discount, you're signaling the number one thing that people have a familiarity with is money. They know that more or less money means something to them. What it also means is they don't know anything about your business. They don't know anything about the product. Because when you talk to somebody that knows what they want and they know why they're getting it, it's not so much about money. And in the world of a creator-based product or service, everything is subjective. How you design is subjective. How you write copy is subjective. How do you put the layout together for a graphic? That's completely subjective. So most of it comes down to if you haven't educated your customer enough about the value that you provide, money is the only thing they can fall back on. So discounting just signals to them, I'm going to cut my price because you don't understand my value enough. Uh, and I would go so far as to suggest if you're looking for a way to avoid the discount trap, uh, that's when I'd say offer double. So if you charge by the square foot, double it. If you offer one product at a given price, double it. Because like I said before, cash flow is the lifeblood of a small business. When you discount, you're training your customers to think, okay, if I just wait, there'll be a deal. You know, it's the reason that most retail is failing now is they've gotten used to the idea of discounting, which means people will just wait for the discount. For a lot of uh, shops, they're pretty much run by the craftsmen themselves. How important is it to learn to be a salesman for these people who are, for the most part, producers? Yeah, we've, we've talked about that before. The danger of being a producer is that's what you do. Uh, I don't think it's realistic to be a successful business professional and a producer. It's why most of your uh, successful business cases, it's usually a duo. It's, it's a partnership or a group because you need special kind of talent in certain areas. The reason that you hire a salesperson if you're not a sales type is because the salesperson is willing to talk to everybody. They're willing to go after people that may not want the product or service that you offer. They're willing to speak to people that are different than them so that they can kind of maneuver their personality or, or change how they speak in order to become more empathic to the customer, more to understand the customer's needs. If you're the creator, you're the producer, you're in charge and you kind of need that creative control in order to produce your best work. To have that kind of I'm in control mindset doesn't work when you're talking to somebody that's willing to give you money because it falls back on that old adage, the customer is always right. Well, the customer is not always right, but they are always the customer. So if you want that customer's money in exchange for your product, there needs to be a give and take in order to make sure you're giving them what they want. And I think that uh, most creative people specifically the types of people in the industry that you and I have experience with, they have a specific thing that they like about it if they're going to provide value. 
you know, you, you get into a business being a painter or a designer or a crafter because you have an eye. If you wait for a customer to come in and explain everything to you, the customer has just as much access to this equipment. And there's resources nowadays like YouTube where they could teach themselves. So you have to provide value while also providing the flexibility of giving the customer what they want. So I have to say, I, I've been uh, publishing magazines here for NBM for over a decade. And in that time, we try to give people as many business tips stories as we can, because we know that that's always in demand. And a lot of times I'm like, man, we just keep hitting them with, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. Give me some positive reasons that people should go into business and some some reasons why it's not always just a, a learning experience. So the number one reason that I think people go into business is they have a talent that they need to share with the world. And I don't think people give themselves enough credit. I think everybody has a talent. If your talent is drawing, if your talent is writing, if your talent is telling a joke, if your talent is understanding what people want, the great thing about starting a business is it's fairly cheap, especially in this country. And it goes state to state, depending on what your startup costs are. But to file for an LLC or an S-Corp or a C-Corp or even a sole prop is not a very expensive proposition. The great thing about starting your own business is you get to do what you want to do and get paid for it, and you're in complete control. And I think that that speaks to kind of the American spirit. It speaks to what makes this country great. The concept of I can choose how to spend my time, I think is the great part about starting a business. Um, you have to do this. You have to do this. Really, again, with a business, it's you got to keep bringing money in. That's really the only the only got to have, I think, because everything else allows for some creativity. You don't necessarily have to hire employees. You don't necessarily have to have an accountant. You don't necessarily have to have a lawyer. You don't necessarily have to have a storefront. Many successful businesses are one person with a website. So the only thing you really got to do is find a customer. I know I'm the type of person you could definitely use some motivation on some things that would require you to put it all on the line. And starting a business to me feels like a massive commitment. And what would you say to people who are just holding back because they're afraid to fail? I think that's a realistic fear. And I think that everyone has a right to start a business. I don't know that everyone has a right to stay in business. So if you're thinking about making the leap and you're thinking about buying that first piece of equipment or getting a website, uh, your number one goal, again, is find a customer. So you can do one customer and that can be your entire business, or you can have a subset of customers that you know you can always rely on to sell our product or service to. You don't have to dedicate it full time. There are a number of people that kind of quit their job one day and say, I'm going to open up a shop and they get all started. They get all loaded up and then boom, now what? Whereas all businesses, no matter where they started, they started from nothing. And I think the hesitancy that people have is they think they have to make this grand investment. They have to get staffed up. They have to get all of these investments in place. They have to get funding secured. You don't really have to do that. 
you can get a free email address. You can get a free calendar app. You can, you can get a Zoom account. You know, there, there are very, very cheap and inexpensive ways to get into business that don't require a lot of time and energy. And then if the business works, if you've identified a customer, if you've provided value, if you've started to meet the needs of a customer base, that business will expand and then you will expand with it and your time commitment will expand with it. Well, Dana, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, I could really probably spend another hour just asking you basic introductory questions about business here. Um, uh, thank you very much for your time. Um, I think that'll do it. Thanks for having me, Matt. You can catch all of our previous Graphics Profiles episodes and tune into new episodes by subscribing to our show on SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. New episodes come out every month. And if there's a topic you'd like us to discuss, drop me a line. My contact information is in the show's notes at the end of today's episode. Until then, stay safe and best of luck in business.